since some people are already watching, I can't do my usual warm-up and sing to myself. So <laughs> Sure you can. Okay, cool. All right. Too many times we stand aside and let the water slip away to what we put off to tomorrow has finally come today. So don't stand upon the shoreline and say you're satisfied. Choose to chance the rapids and dare to dance the tide. I will sail my vessel until the river runs dry. Like a bird upon a wind, these waters are my sky. I'll never reach my destination if I never try. So I will sail my vessel until the river runs dry. Till the river runs dry. Thanks to whoever that was who said I sing pretty good. <laughs> I had to turn my screen reader off. So from now on, I won't, I won't hear anything that people are posting in the comments. And I'm really sorry about that, but I can only do one thing at a time, which is I can either talk to y'all or I can listen to y'all, but I can't do both. <laughs> well, you do have a very nice voice. That was a very calming song, too. Oh, thank you. It's, it's kind of, well, it is my theme song since I first heard it in 1992 or 93. And thankfully, it's one of Garth's songs I can actually sing. And one of these days, either going to one of these days I'm I'm gonna go viral either because he's really happy with it or he sent me a cease and desist letter. <laughs> oh very nice. All right, well we have some more that are joining in now. So um I'll just keep watching that thing and I'll wait for the Q and A portion. But I'm gonna let you Maxwell go ahead and introduce yourself and get started. All right. Thank you. I appreciate all the help, Don. Sure. Good morning or good afternoon, if wherever y'all are at. My name is Maxwell Ivy. I'm known around the world as the blind blogger. Uh, I am totally blind. I've gone from being a guy who, uh, as a blind part of a family who owned carnivals, went from being a carnival owner to helping people sell used amusement equipment to now being a self-help author, a motivational speaker, an online media publicist. As y'all can tell, I sing in public. I help other people get exposure by booking them on podcasts or introducing them to platforms like Nepris. And I host a podcast called What's Your Excuse? And today I'm here to talk to you all about building community, asking for help, accepting help, and show, showing gratitude. And so I want to start with a quote that a good friend of mine, Alex Sanfilippo, likes to share. He says that there are the best time to, to the best time to plant a forest is 20 years ago. The next best time to plant a forest is today. So we're going to talk a little bit about building community, but first I want to share a story with you that will kind of explain how this has worked in my life. And in this extreme experience, we'll just show you what, what the possibilities are like if we will take the time to build a community of friends and supporters uh, in person and, and online. So, just imagine this, it was 2018. Just imagine you are me. I'm almost totally blind. I'm going to New York City to speak at a conference. On the way there, I get sick. 
I start to lose my voice. My voice is hoarse most of the week. In fact, I was only able to give my talk through the aid of wintergreen lifesavers and hot tea with lemon and honey. And I made it through the week. I gave my talk, but at the end, I'm in New York. I'm sore. I'm hoarse. I'm sick. I don't feel good. People can't understand me when I talk to them. So I'm pretty much communicating by text and, and other messages. I'm broke because I, I wasn't able to talk, which meant I wasn't able to sell any books or make connections for new clients. And, you know, I'm in a bad place. And, you know, in New York, I was, I always heard that New York was a city that never sleeps. Well, since 9-11, it doesn't sleep, but it does nap, especially in Manhattan. So I figured worst case, I would just keep moving around until the next day and then I would go home, but that didn't work. So I started reaching out to my community. I sent uh, messages directly to people. I went on Facebook into some private communities and I started reaching out to people I knew that I had uh, been getting to know for years. And eventually my friend Rob from San Diego sent me enough money to get a good hotel room for a night. And another friend, Denise from San Antonio, sent me the money for the train ticket to get back home to Houston. And some great friends from church, uh, John and, and Shelly, they picked me up at the train station and brought me back to my house. Now, they did make me put on a mask and two pairs of gloves, and that was 2018. It was pre-COVID. I was just that sick. So I got home from this trip. I was very disheartened about the results. But then I started thinking, you know, because I had made all of these friends online, because I had built up this community, I had uh, shared their content and helped them with their projects. When I needed the help the most, the worst, these people showed up. And so to me, it's a disaster, but it's also a great success. And it's the best example I have of how building a community can really help us as we move forward. And I'd like you to think about, is there somebody I know either personally or online who I could send a text message to at one o'clock in the morning or three o'clock in the morning and they would come get me at the train station or, you know, they would send me money. And that's a really extreme example. In general, our requests from others are going to be a lot smaller and the things other people request from us are going to be a lot smaller. But this is the best and most extreme example I have. So let's talk about building community. And I'm not talking about building a huge following on Instagram or Facebook, although that can have value. I'm talking about making real personal connections with people that you know or that you're friendly with. And, of course, I honestly believe y'all are in a great uh, situation. It would be better if you were in classrooms because then you would have that time between classes, before and after school, on the way to and from school, have those other opportunities where you'd be in person face to face. And those are, it's always easier to make those connections that way. But you have your fellow classmates. You have attending events like this, working on projects together, exchanging information about homework assignments. So while some of these friendships are going to go away as soon as you graduate, uh, I would challenge you to make at least one good friend the kind of person that you will stay in contact with through college and through the rest of your lives, and the kind of person who you can trust to tell you the truth, whether that means uh, stop feeling sorry for yourself and get back out there and do what you're the best in the world at doing, or, you know, 
you're not as good as you think you are, you really should reevaluate your opinion of yourself. What in my case, if it weren't for great friends continuing to challenge me, I wouldn't be doing this talk because I never saw myself as somebody who could inspire or motivate or educate other people. I used to just think of myself as a guy who showed up every day trying to build a business online to sell used carnival rides to, to help my family. So it was through good friends that I realized that I my story has power and I can encourage others by sharing it. And also my vision loss and the way I go through life has some really important lessons for people that are hard lessons to learn. So building community, use your school, your teachers, to certain to a certain extent, I know that you have to be careful, but your your Facebook communities, I imagine some schools now have Facebook groups for the students. So there are there are always opportunities for you to start making those connections. And once you make the connection, one of the best ways to build those connections, more so in my world uh, as a professional than in y'all's, is to try to find ways to help that other person. So if you can share content or give them valuable comments and feedback, if you can help them solve their problems when they obviously need help with a problem, those are the ways you cement friendships and grow them to the point where each of you can count on the other to inspire or to help you get out of a really bad, tight situation if you need to. So, and I find that a lot of people have many, many friends online or they have many followers, but they don't have any real connections with those people. And I have a, I've noticed lately that some of my friends are clearing out their social media accounts and starting over from scratch and only having people in their, in their networks that they have an actual acquaintance or connection with because those are the people you can count on. Uh, I teach people about being podcast guests and one of the things I tell people all the time is the gross numbers of listeners is useless. What you need to know is how many people watch or listen every week and how many people take action. Those are the kind of friends and connections you want to make. In your case, hopefully some of these friends you're making now that you'll still be friends with in college and as you go out into your professional uh, careers and they can help you because as you make those transitions, it's difficult. There are a lot of challenges. There are a lot of things that we just don't know when we leave high school. We may think we know them, but we don't know them. And I'll be the first to admit that I've made a lot of mistakes and had to learn a lot of lessons that I never thought I would have to when I walked across that stage and got my diploma. So build a community now. Take every opportunity to make a friend, to find out about them, to help them, to let them see you as you really are, because only when we, when we are vulnerable can we make those deep personal connections that uh, can help us through the rest of our lives. And yeah, a lot of people are not going to be that type of person. A lot of people we meet on Facebook, they may be friendly, but they'll never be friends. And that's an important thing to remember. So once you build your community, uh, then let's talk about asking for help. Now, I knew from an early age, I was eventually going to lose my vision, if most, if not all of it. And so I was always taught, Max, don't be afraid to ask for help because you need, you're going to need their help. You're going to need every advantage you can get, so don't be afraid to ask. And then my dad would tell me, and oh, by the way, people like helping other people. Uh, most people get great joy from doing something for somebody else who could do nothing but say thank you. And just think how good you feel when you, for no reason at all, carry out trash, rake leaves, volunteer to watch watch somebody's child for five minutes. Those little things that, you know, they may not mean much to you, but they mean a lot to the other person. 
So you feel good when you help other people. And that's the way people feel when you ask them for help. And what I've learned is we are not intended to do important things by ourselves. Uh, life is a journey. And just like all the great epic journeys, there was never, or there was, I don't think there was ever really a great story of just one person uh, by themselves, at least not that was successful. Think of Lord of the Rings, you know, I don't know. It was seven, and then later it was 13, I think. So, I mean, we are not intended to do important things by ourselves, and the people online that give you the impression that they are the only person doing all this amazing work, they are lying to us. It's a it's a longstanding myth in the Internet world that people can do all this stuff by themselves. They can be successful at anything they want to do by themselves. And the truth is, that's just wrong. And for people in high school that participate in sports, extracurricular activities, you know what I'm talking about. A lot of times there are multiple teachers that are helping with the, with that activity uh, or sports. You know, you have dozens, if not hundreds in some cases at the college level that make up a successful team. So we're not intended to do this by ourselves, but then it comes to how do you ask for help? How do you get past that fear that holds so many people back from reaching out? And I learned this expression. I think it's important, and I want to share it with y'all, and I hope this is a – if you remember nothing else I said today, I think this is the most important thing, which is when you refuse to ask, you rob the other person of the joy they would have received from helping you. Now, that applies whether you're asking for help or asking for an opportunity. So I want to say it again. When you refuse to ask, you rob the other person of the joy they would have received from helping you. So think about how hard your day is every day. Think about how much better your day would be if somebody came along and said, hey, I know you know more about this stuff. I know you've been doing it longer. I know you have a natural ability. I'm really struggling. Would you please help? And in most cases, that's going to be the best part of that other person's day. You're actually making somebody's day harder and less joyful by not asking them, by not including them by not letting them see the additional fruits of all their hard work, the time they've spent learning these things. So I hope that you will take that with you because I believe it's the most important thing I can share with people. And, and generally that's the response I get when I give this talk. But asking for help is hard. You have to start by uh, with, with small requests. And also if you're, if you're considering requests from people you don't know, it's best if you go through a process of getting to know them before you ask. You know, say hello. We don't do this face-to-face, -face, but used to there was like a welcome wagon. When somebody got came new to a neighborhood, a neighbor would bring them food. Well, we don't do that online. So maybe you send them a nice message. Maybe you share some of their content. Maybe you see them in the hall and you say that you really liked uh, what they said in class or you really like what they're wearing today. Or you just really like their smile. So you say, you know, you make these small connections, you reach out in small ways, and then eventually when you do need to ask for a serious bit of information or help, you have prepared, prepared yourself and the other person for the ask. Now, I find that the more difficult thing for most people, you know, as if asking isn't hard enough, the, uh, receiving help that you didn't ask for, that seems to be like the graduate level course of this whole idea, which means if somebody comes along and says, hey, I'd like to do this for you, you're going to have one or two reactions. One, you're going to be skeptical, skeptical, thinking, 
Well, what do they want from this? What are they trying to get from me by offering this help? But the other more common reaction that's worse is, who the heck do they think they are? I'm doing just fine. I'm perfect. I'm great. I don't need their help. They should take their time and go help somebody who really needs it. So the ego jumps up and bites us and prevents us from the opportunity to get some help and get to where we're wanting to go quick, more quickly and with more joy. So in this case, you have to remember it takes more courage for that person to reach out and offer than it would take you to ask that same person. They are taking a big risk. You know, they're reaching out. It's just like if somebody uh, asks you to go for coffee or, or asks you out on a date. That person that reaches out like that, they're taking a big risk. And it's the same thing when somebody offers to help you. And while you may not know that you ask them, quite often we ask in very subtle ways. We may pray about it. We may meditate on it. We may use what they call affirmations or the law of attraction. Uh, some people are just very intuitive, so we may be we may be um, including some of these thoughts about our needs and struggles in our social media posts, in our emails to people, even our text messages. Sometimes those emojis say things to other people that you didn't intend them to say, but that are true. And some people are just very sensitive, and they notice these things, and they go, hey, this person needs some help, so I'm going to reach out to them. One of my favorite things that ever happened to me, my current editor for my books, a few years ago, she noticed that one of my websites, the photos were loading bad and they were blocking out the text on my blog. And she reached out to me. She said, you know, Max, people are not reading your blogs because they can't see them. They have to click around them. And she said, I would love to help you fix this. And so we got to know each other through the process of fixing it. And then when it came time for me to release my first book, she helped me through the publishing process with Amazon and, and Kindle, which was then called Create Create Space. Uh, yeah, Create Space. And because of that, you know, she reached out to me and I said, you know, well, maybe she's right. Of course, we were talking about something visual and I'm blind and she could see. So that was a pretty obvious one. It may not be that obvious, but we often do things and say things uh, either directly or that we're not thinking about that we don't know we're doing. That other people, maybe your best friend, maybe just somebody who is uh, who is very intuitive or a great listener will notice and they will reach out and offer to do things, offer to help you. And you have to remember that it took them great courage to do that. Uh, and I hope that you will start to see these opportunities when they happen as uh, as an opportunity and not as an offense. Uh, say if a teacher suggests that you know, that you may have a great writing ability and you should submit to a contest. Or maybe, like in my case, y'all heard me sing before we started. I used to be afraid to sing in public because when I, when my voice changed, people laughed at my voice. Uh, people told me not to sing. I was once actually told just to, just to lip sync at a choir contest. And so for years, I, I felt bad about it. But then some friends heard me sing and they're like, you know, Max, you got to do that more often. So if somebody comes along and says, hey, you know, I think you're really good at something and you need to explore it more or here's an opportunity for you to do it, don't bite their heads off. Don't think this person doesn't know what they're talking about. You know, listen, think about it, meditate on it, maybe ask your parents about it and think, well, maybe they're right. You know, I, I have a good friend, a really good friend who bugged me for two years before I finally understood that I could do this, what I'm doing today, and that I'm actually meant to do it. So, again, you have to build those communities of friends who will tell you the truth and encourage you to go beyond yourself, that will uh, challenge you to do those things that scare you. And, you know, even though they're scary, you go ahead and do them anyway. 
And then the most important part of this process is gratitude. And I don't mean just saying thank you, that you appreciate what they did for you. When you ask for help or when you ask for an opportunity, because the process is very similar, when you do this, the most important way you can show gratitude is to use their advice or information or to use the techniques that they share with you and to let them see you using the advice, suggestions that they gave you. I mean, words are great, but, you know, words without action are meaningless. So, or as I like to say, inspiration without action is meaningless because quite often people tell me I'm inspiring. So what can you do to show your gratitude? Now, sometimes you can't show gratitude directly. You just have to maybe write an email to yourself or write it down on uh, on a piece of paper and keep it somewhere or just say to yourselves, yourself, well, that person, they'll never accept me telling this, them this in person, but I really appreciate what they did. Uh, but if there's a way you can do it publicly, you know, of course, nowadays it's, it usually comes down to a social media post, but, you know, it can be a direct email, it can be a text message, but most importantly, it's doing something based on what you learn from that other person. If you ask them for help, then what advice did they give you? Is it something that fits in with your character, something that's safe, something that your parents would approve of, something that isn't illegal or wouldn't get you into trouble? Then maybe you do it. But, you know, it, it all comes down to having the community, the friends, the contacts, uh, the teachers, in my case, the scoutmaster and other scouts, who will tell you the truth, who will help you see yourself in a way that you can't see your your own self because we often see ourselves as worse than we are or better than we are. And there, it takes one of those really great friends. I, my, my friend is, is named Adrian Smith and I refer to her as my blogging mama because she taught me everything I know about building relationships online and, and promoting yourself through those opportunities. And I really hope and pray that y'all will find at least one person like that right now. And that you continue to look for those people every day. Because just like anything else, when we look for it, we find it. So if you're all, if you're, if your mind and heart are open to finding that one great friend who you can trust to tell you everything you need to, even if you don't want to, you'll find them. And I've been blessed to find many of them, partly because as a blind person and not having many great travel options here and for the most part, I've had to do most everything online. I've built a brand online, mostly through doing interviews on podcasts, my podcasts, blog post articles, magazine articles. But every time I do something online, it's an opportunity to connect with the author, the host, the, uh, the, the virtual assistant, the person who does the media promotion work for their brand. There are all these people during a process. So like, as you're working towards a competition in band or choir or cheerleading, uh, as you're working toward a game in sports, you have all these opportunities to make really close friends that you might be able to count on down the road or that they may be able to count on you down the road. And really, I hope you won't miss the opportunities that y'all have now. Today is the day you plant the first tree if you haven't already, because as, as we, as I talked about in the beginning, the best time to plant that forest is now. Uh, I hope you won't put it off till tomorrow. And it's for those of you who didn't hear when, before we started, I was seeing a verse from the river, which the words are too, my, too many times we stand aside and let the water slip away. 
to what we've put off to tomorrow has finally come today. So don't stand upon the shoreline and say you're satisfied. Choose to chance the rapids and dare to dance the tide. So I hope that I've said something here today that will encourage you to start building your community. If you have those people in your life, I hope that you will start thinking about them and yourself in ways that you can help each other to grow, to continue your personal journey and become the, the amazing adult that you are meant to be. And when that happens, I hope you will share the pro, will show the proper gratitude. Uh, and that hopefully someday soon when COVID is behind us, we can do that with a hug, a handshake instead of with a text message or a direct message on social media. I think I'm done now. So if we have time for some question and answer, I would love for Dawn to rejoin me to help me with that. Absolutely. We do have some questions that have come through. You may have answered some of these during your talk, but have you been blind your whole life? Uh, yes, I have retinitis pigmentosa. I started losing my vision when I was five. It decreased gradually until I entered junior high school. And for men that have retinitis pigmentosa or RP, we usually have a big drop-off in vision as we go through puberty. So uh, I went from being able to read large type to having uh, to being uh, determined to be legally blind and have to start using a white cane and eventually progressing to audiobooks and Braille. And my vision stayed pretty constant until I graduated from college, and then it decreased again down to what it is now, which is light perception. Or I consider it totally blind because that's just easier for most people to think about if you're having a conversation. And uh, there's there are a lot of hope in the gene therapy area to repair vision, but so far none of that has actually – well, one very small study was successful with a drug called Lexterna, but for the most part, the gene therapies are on hold because all the laboratories are being used to produce or develop COVID vaccines. Great. How do you read messages on the screen for work? Right. Well, uh, when I have my screen reader turned on, the computer will give me a notification and it will say I have a message, so I read it. I also have a screen reader on my phone and my tablet. It's called VoiceOver from uh, from the Apple company. And about 14 years ago, Apple started, no, about 10 years ago, Apple started including VoiceOver, which is their screen reader app, on their iPods. And then they progressed to including, including it on all their devices. Um, Steve Jobs had the idea that as the world gets older and more mobile, that being able to have voice as a, as an uh, option to text would be something people would eventually want, not just blind people. And it turns out he was right because how many of y'all use voice text to speech on your, your GPS navigation. Uh, and I've, I hear that a lot of people are starting to use voice on their, on their mobile devices just because it lessens the time that their eyes are looking at the screen. Absolutely. Okay to know what is your job and what hardships do you face in your job due to your inability to see? Okay, my job is varied. I would say I'm a creative entrepreneur, which means I am an author. I write books about my experiences and the lessons people can learn from them. I'm a blogger. I have a podcast called What's Your Excuse, where I interview people who have overcome adversity. You know, I I travel when I can. I would say my the, my biggest obstacles Excuse me. One is the technology, especially around social media, because every time Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter changed the look of their screen, 
I have to figure out all over again how to navigate that website with my screen reader. So, and I have very limited options as to how I can find information on the screen. And the most important thing is that if the coder doesn't put the right code into the buttons, links, images, then my screen reader doesn't know they're there. So I, if you, you know, if you don't add what's called an alternative tag to your images, my screen reader will go right on by that photo. And if, and if the photo is linked to a link, then I go right on by the link. And in fact, Netflix has been very, uh, very supportive of me. I've reached out to them, what, three years ago now, because I had difficulty navigating their submission form to, to put a profile up to, so I could talk to classrooms and they helped me do that. And then we figured out a workaround for signing on to classes because I've had trouble with it. So whenever I have to do a talk, I say, hey, I'm going to do a talk. And people like Dawn send me the direct link, and I get logged in, and I get to talk to you all. So it all works smoothly, but mostly social media websites. And then as my main source of income is helping people get exposure for their brands by telling their stories on online platforms. So just like any other freelance entrepreneur, it's about finding clients, helping them to understand the value that I offer for their business or their aspiring business or their creative projects or their passion project, helping them understand the value and then getting them to sign that contract and send me a check. What advice do you have for the future of the youth of today when they wish to inspire others to be their better selves? I would say be honest with the world. I know it's hard. And what I'm, and I'm, and of course there's a fine line between Honest meaning nudity or foul language or offensive speech. But what I mean is if, if you want people to be inspired by you, they have to know the real you. They have to know what struggles you've been through or what struggles you've helped other people through. On my podcast, I interview people who've overcome adversity, but I also interview coaches, people who have gotten degrees like psychiatrists, counselors, coaches, mentors, who have advice for those people. So the most important thing is be willing to be vulnerable, to be honest. Even if you don't think your story is all that yet, don't wait until you feel your story is good enough to start sharing. So the most important thing is be vulnerable, be authentic, be honest. I'm starting to hate the word authentic because everybody's using it wrong. But, I mean, <laughs> let, let people see you at your best, your worst, and everywhere in between. That's how you build a loving audience who can be inspired by you. People are rarely inspired by superficial, glossy, fake. They will realize it's fake really quick in most cases and go on to somebody that will give them the truth. Uh, what are your blogs about if they aren't for work? You know, I can't remember the last time I wrote a blog just just for me, and I need to do more of that. So that's a great question. And whoever asked that question, be sure to give yourself a pat on the back because even asking a great question takes courage, and I love a great question. I would say the last post I wrote just for fun had to do was uh, had to do with. Uh, the loss of my dog two years ago and how it affected me and how until I wrote about that and kind of got some of that out of my system, I couldn't get back to work because I really missed that dog. I missed that crazy mutt that used to get in my way when I was trying to work, you know, but I'm trying to generally, I write most everything is about, is about me, my experiences or about friends of mine. I have, I have a good friend, Cassandra, who likes to say, 
if you're around Max, you have to be careful because if you say something or do something he likes, he will put you in his blog or in his book. Uh, do you have any books for kids to read that are about what you talked about here today? Well, it depends on what your what your reading level would be. I have a I think a great book called Leading You Out of the Darkness into the Light: A Blind Man's Inspirational Guide to Success. It's my first book. It's a short book. It's 84 pages. It has some of my stories that I didn't tell today. It also has 11 exercises, and it includes my my email address and a request at the end of each section for people to report on their progress because I didn't want it to be just another book. I wanted it to actually help people. So, And I know that when people start to make progress in their lives, quite often their existing friends and families don't like it. So I think it's a good book. Uh, I think regardless, uh, I think unless we're talking, you know, younger than junior high school, I think it would be a, a good read for any of the audiences we we picked as the audiences for today's talk. Now, if you want a book that's entertaining and has some of these lessons, you need to read The Blind Blogger's New York City Adventures, How You Can Make Your Dreams Come True. It not only has some great stories and some lessons, but it also has some wonderful photos that, in my opinion, are they're not what I talked about today, but one of the things I talk about a lot is finding unique solutions. And when I went to New York City the first time in 2016, this was before two years before the story I told you all earlier, I didn't have anybody to go with me, and I was like, I want to document this. How am I going to get photos and video? And I decided I'm just going to take really simple camera with me and ask whoever happens to be around if they'll take pictures. And we ended up with six just awesome photos of places like me skating at Rockefeller Center, and me spending time with a friend in New York that I had met online, uh, you know, riding the subway, riding the fr- just, you know, usual tourist stuff in New York, but doing it as a blind person who's there enjoying the city solo, but through the eyes of the people around him. And so I think that book, not only the stories and the lessons in it, but the photos tell a great message as well. All right. And can you repeat the title of the book? Yes. The the first one is Leading You Out of the Darkness into the Light, A Blind Man's Inspirational Guide to Success. And the second one is The Blind Bloggers, New York City Adventures, How You Can Make Your Dreams Come True. And if you will just put The Blind Blogger in the search thing on Amazon, it will find my account, or you can also look for Maxwell Ivy. And I've written four books total. There's a book in there about my gastric surgery uh process uh, before, during, and after how I had to change not only my lifestyle, but how I think about myself in order to, to continue to stay physically healthy. And then there's a fourth book, The Blind Bloggers First Speaking and Signing Adventures, How You Can Conquer Your Fears, where I share my first experience traveling the country to promote my book. And that was in 2017. And I traveled to six cities uh, doing speaking, selling books, although I didn't sell as many as I wanted to again, uh, and getting to spend some some great time with some of my friends and family that I hadn't seen in a long time. So some great lessons in there. Not as many photos. I think the best part of the book, both of those those last two books, is at the end of each chapter there's the key takeaways, and you might consider just printing those sections out and you know carrying them around with you or putting them up where you can see them if you find one of those key takeaways that you think really helps you. So 
but I would say no matter what you find in one of my books that you like, that you think is helpful, be kind to yourself and realize that no matter what the method is, you have to practice it. You have to do it over and over a while before you get really good at it. And I'm really good at finding the positive because I've spent a lot of time on my back looking up at where the sky should have been. I've made a lot of mistakes and had to recover from them. So I'm really good at, you know, getting over it, finding the positive, but that's because I have practice. And it's the same way with any of the lessons in those books. They won't work for you today. If, you know, if, if you have a problem, you need one of those lessons to help you with today. Uh, it won't work, but if, if you start using some of those lessons today and you have that same problem three months from now, then you'll be ready. Hey, would you ever, if you have the choice, change from becoming blind? You know, I've actually had to think about that lately because of the gene therapies. And part of my answer is just that I'm 55 years old and I'm not exactly sure, but I think about this in two ways. First, I think about the fact that I'm blind has given me the opportunity to help so many people. So I like to think that my vision loss it has served a purpose and that as long as it continues to serve a purpose, I would rather be blind. But then my friend Adrian explained something to me that made perfect sense. She said, you know, Max, there are very few people in this world who can speak about vision loss from both sides, from losing it and from regaining it. And then she said, just think about how many things you will get to savor for the first time because they didn't exist when you still had vision. So, yeah, I would like to do it. I'm not exact, uh, and I look forward to doing it. I'm just not exactly sure about the gene therapy because some of those potential side effects are a little scary. You know, I don't, I know that, you know, Spider-Man turned out really good, but you just never know when they start, you know, messing with the DNA code in somebody's eye, whatever. So, yeah, I would do it. I wouldn't change the experiences I've had because they've made me who I am and they've given me the ability to inspire others. But if I hadn't been blind, something else would have come along. I would have done something different. I, I believe that I come from a family of doers and storytellers. So maybe instead of self-help, I would have wrote fiction. Maybe I would have wrote murder mysteries uh, surrounding the amusement world. Who knows? But thankfully, I have the vision loss. I've learned the lessons. And because of help from friends, I have the opportunities and I'm taking them to share my experiences and hopefully inspire and challenge y'all. One of the things people say about Max a lot is if Max can do it, then what's my excuse, which is where the whole what's your excuses brand came from. And that's kind of a funny thing. You know, I didn't pick the name the blind blogger. I didn't pick the name what's your excuse. People started calling me the blind blogger on social media as a way of shorthand, because when you're a blind person, generally you're the only blind person. When you're in a wheelchair, you're usually the only person in a wheelchair. When you're deaf, you're usually the only person in a group that's deaf. So you kind of become it. I'm the blind blogger. There's a guy in Arizona. He's the blind magician. There's the guy who was on The Voice. He's Blind Joe, and, and he's actually trademarked his name. I need to do that myself. So people that were in my community came up with the name Blind Blogger, and when I needed a website URL, they said, we've been calling you this for years. Why not? People have been saying, if Max can do it, then what's my excuse? So when I started a podcast, I tried really hard to sell my community on some other name, any name. But I was overruled, and I was smart enough to realize that they were right, that this, these were great names, and I should just say thank you and run with them, which is what I've done to the point where six years later now, if you look for the blind blogger, you'll find something like 3 million returns on Google, and they are all me. So I'm very thankful 
that I just said yes when people said, yeah, you need to be the blind blogger. Excellent. Well, they're thanking you for your time and your knowledge, and um, we appreciate you. Do you have any final words before we sign off for them? I would I would just say the one thing that has gotten me here more than anything else is uh, something my dad taught me when I was doing cold calling to book our traveling carnival and people kept saying no. He always said, Max, if you don't ask, they can't say yes. Now stop complaining and call the next people. So there are going to be many opportunities for you to get help or get opportunities uh, to get the ability to go places and do things but only if you're willing to ask. And again, if you get used to asking, then you start asking for things and people give them to you, even if you're not qualified for them sometimes. That's how I got to go to New York the first time. I wasn't the most qualified author, but I was one of the authors who said, hey, I want to go. And so remember that. If you don't ask, they can't say yes. And that's the most important thing that I can say would, you know, to end this thing here. Excellent. Well, thank you so much. We appreciate your time, Maxwell. It was good to see you. Well, it's good to see you, too, and I appreciate the opportunity. I've enjoyed my time with the with the classrooms. I hope that they have learned something, and I don't know how the NEPR system works. I don't claim to, but if I, if I taught somebody something today that helps them accomplish their next goal or helps them share more or helps them build their community, if, if I did something to help you and there's a way you can, I would love to hear about the results. You know, even if you just tried something and it didn't work out exactly the way you did, you wanted it to, but maybe, you know, gave you some ideas about how to do that better or how to do something else. I, I love, I love hearing that I'm an inspiration, but I love even more hearing what I've inspired people to do. Excellent. Excellent words. Well, thank you so much, Swexwell, and um, you have a great afternoon and thank you for everybody that joined today. Thank you, Dawn. I really appreciate your help and this and this wonderful opportunity to spend some time with you and all the students out there. So thank you, and you have a good day, too.